Hey man, I love that video. I love Todd McPherson. He's doing some great work. My name is Matt McFadden, and uh, I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Southcrest Church, and it's my esteemed privilege to stand up here and speak to you today. Arthur's down in LaGrange, and uh, he's hanging out with him down there. So uh, this week and next week, I get to share uh, just some things that are on my heart, and uh, we're going to be in Matthew 5 today. So if you've got your Bibles, grab your Bibles, grab your iPhone, grab your whatever you got that has Bible on there, man, and uh, pull up Matthew 5. And uh, before we dive into the scripture, I want to start this message with the idea and a statement that Jesus Christ is coming back, y'all. <laughs> yeah, man, that's, that's a big deal, right? That is a, that's a really big deal. The whole reason why we gather together as, as believers, the whole reason why we have this, this Bible and, and, and why we sing songs and why we, why we pray and live, and, and live our lives for him, he is coming back. The hope of the world is coming back to take us home with him. And so many times I go through my days, day in and day out, day in and day out, and I don't even think about that. That doesn't even cross my mind. And I want to pose the same question to you right now. Do you think about the fact that Jesus is coming back? Do you wake up in the morning on the forefront of your mind, Jesus is coming back, and maybe it's today. It could happen in a blink of an eye, just that quick. Jesus could be coming back. You know, it's exciting for us as believers that, that, that the hope and, and all that we put our faith in, it's real and, it's gonna, and, and he's coming back to take us home. But it also is a very sobering and a very difficult time for anybody that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, right? So think about this. When he comes back, that's, he's going to judge the righteous from the unrighteous, right? He's going to put us into two separate groups, and when you begin to think about that and when you begin to make decisions based on the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back, man, it should change us. We should live life on purpose, man. We have got to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everybody that is around us. We have to, we, and the only way to reach people isn't through debating them and arguing them and posting on social media and doing all this other stuff and a five-point sermon and this and that. Listen, the way we're going to reach people around us, what we're about to see, is through genuine, authentic love for people. I want us to carry this burden, man. I want us to wake up every day and, and be passionate about the people that are in our lives that don't know Jesus. I want us to be passionate about that. Think about this for just a second. This is hypothetical. I don't even know if this is going to happen, but it's definitely a thought-provoking idea. Judgment, Jesus comes back. Judgment day happens. He's judging the righteous from the unrighteous, and he gets to you, and, and, and you've had a relationship with him, and, and, and you're well done, good and faithful servant, and you're put over here in the righteous crowd, and then all of a sudden, you recognize somebody from your life, and they are put in the other group. And they will spend eternity in a place called hell, separated from God for forever. And they look over to you and say, why didn't you take the things of Christ more serious with me? Why, why didn't you share more about the things of eternity? Why did you wait? Why, why did you act just like everyone else? Why? This, is, this is a big deal. Why? Why, Matt? Why didn't you tell me more about Christ. 
That's the burden I want us to carry every day. And I mean, I want Southcrest to be different, y'all. I want us to be truly passionate about evangelism and sharing the gospel with people that are in our lives and people we don't even agree with or look that, that look like us. Maybe they're a different skin tone. Maybe they worship differently. Maybe they're, they've got weird things or they've hurt you or whatever it might be. We're called to love people and to help them and lead them into a relationship with Christ through the means of love. And so today, if you're not passionate, man, about sharing Jesus with people around you, if you're not passionate about loving your, your enemy, if you're not passionate about, you know, helping people see Christ, man, ask the Lord for that passion. Go to the Lord. And as a matter of fact, I'd love to pray right now. Let's pray for a second, y'all. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, God, for, for dying on the cross for our sins. Lord, we were once lost and you found us and you rescued us. God, thank you for saving us, Lord. And now you have called us in turn to go out and share the gospel with people that are in our lives and our neighbors and, and people that don't look like us or worship like us or live like us. God, you called us to love them. And so, God, I pray that you would just put a deep burning passion in our hearts to share the love of Christ with those that are around us. God, give us the courage to step up and share the gospel when, when you put these divine appointments in our life, when we come across somebody who is, who is hurting or lost or struggling, and, and God, give us the courage to share that. God, I pray that we would op open our eyes to all the people around us, Lord, so that we might see some come to you and, and have a relationship with you. God, give us that passion. Give us a desire for evangelism. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Well, all right. Let's jump into this for just a moment. Um, Matthew 5. You know, um, if you flip on the news for just a second at, at any point, you're going to see a world that is... That is uh, <laughs> struggling, you know, it almost feels like it's going to implode on itself at any point. There's all these issues, you know, from, you know, these hot button topics of, uh, of, you know, alternative lifestyles and transgender and, and abortion and racism and, and all this stuff that we're seeing going on and on and on and, and both sides arguing back and forth and all this craziness. And, and a lot of times, you know, we as Christians, we have the answer. We have Jesus. We have the hope. We have the hope. And, and, and for a lot of these people that are struggling, man, they don't even want to step foot into the church simply because they have been judged. They've come in as, as sick, right? Sick and needing a savior and all they've gotten was a finger pointed at them and, and they don't want anything to do with Christianity. And really, guys, I think we've got to do things differently. I think we've got to stop debating with people and stop arguing with people and simply serve people and love people. That is the way to see our community and our world changed, period, okay, period. And so number one, if we're going to reach our community and if we're going to see people come into the relationship with Christ, we have got to love like Jesus loves. We, this is the key right here. This is the key, y'all, and we're going to see this here in just a second. Matthew 5, if you'll go to verse 43, this is where we're going to read for, for just a minute. Matthew 5, verse 43, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? 
Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Man, this is right in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This is probably the, the single most radical idea Jesus has ever uttered out of his mouth. And I find it interesting, man, this is one of the passages in Scripture that proves that God is not made up, right? To, to me, this, this proves the fact that Jesus is real because nobody in their right mind would have come up, fabricated this idea of God and Jesus, and man would have failed and sinned and, and become unrighteous, and then he would come to this earth and say, hey, oh, by the way, love the people that hate you. It's radical. It's a radical idea. Many people thought this Messiah, Jesus, was going to come and rule by a sword, and he was going to slaughter anybody that was in opposition of him or the Jewish people, right? So to me, this is radical. This is crazy. So take a moment. We're going to break this down. Here's what I want you to do. Imagine you're a first century Hebrew, right? Uh, there's no more cars. You're not driving in a car. You probably got a donkey, right? You don't have on your sweet Nike kicks anymore. You've got on sandals and your feet stink from walking around outside. You're wearing the garb and you're living in the homes and you eat the food, you know, th- put yourself all the way back there thousands of years ago, okay? And what you're going to find yourself in is a militarized zone, right? Roman, Romans are, are ruling the area. Everywhere you go, there's Roman soldiers and legionnaires and, 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 these, these soldiers, if you're, if you're not, um, um, you know, submitting to their authority, a lot of times they're just straight up killing people, right? Taxes are through the roof. You think taxes are bad now? <laughs> it's 80 to 90% back then. You got to live on about 10% of your income back then. The government and people, they were, they were stealing from your family members and taking advantage of people and your friends. And it was just a terrible time uh, to be alive under Roman rule. And, and um, there, there was kind of a sense of a rebellion trying to spark up every now and again, right? And there was these religious groups called zealots and they were a part of the resistance. And leaders would come, come along and they would try to overthrow Rome and Rome would just crush them and squash them and the cycle would continue and continue and continue. And then all of a sudden Jesus comes on the scene. Right, this long-awaited Messiah, this prophecy for hundreds of years ago, he finally arrives. And the first thing's out of his mouth is love your enemy. Hey, all these people that are persecuting you, love them. Crazy, right? So let's break this down for a minute. We'll start in verse 43. It says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Right, this idea of love your neighbor, you guys are familiar with that. That references Leviticus 19. We later hear Jesus talk about that in the Great Commandment. It also references Deuteronomy 6. Right, this is very, very central to Jesus and his teaching. Love your neighbor. We understand that. So let me ask you, who's your neighbor? Right, who's your neighbor? Is it somebody that lives directly next to you in your neighborhood? Right. Maybe you live on the east side of the interstate, man. You're new Noonan, right? Man, we're, we're the new Noonan. You know, that's my neighbors. I don't, I don't associate with, or maybe you live on the west side of the interstate. We're old Noonan, right? That's where we live. You know, we don't, we don't like those new Summer Grove people or whatever on the, on the west side, on the, on the east side over there, you know. Maybe it's people that, that, that look like you. A lot of people say, well, yeah, it's the people that live next to me and the people that I like. That's my neighbor. Well, 
if you study this word out, it actually is much bigger than that. And, and it, and it kind of just summarized, summarizing it down basically just means uh, any other fellow human being, any other fellow human being, that's who we're called to love. Right? And he goes on, and he says, and hate your enemy. This is nowhere found in scripture outside of right here. This is not something taught in scripture. But a lot of scholars think that it was just caught up in everyday lingo because of how much oppression and all this craziness that was going on back then that, hey, love your neighbor. And oh, by the way, hate your enemy. It was just something that people said. And he's addressing this. And he wants you to change, wants, our, to, wants us to change our idea about who it is that we need to love and how to reach people. Verse 44 goes on to say this, but I tell you, you know, he says, you thought the command says this, but it actually means this, right? But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who curse you, um, who persecute you. If you look back at Leviticus 19, actually, and we don't have time to go and read that, that's actually in context, uh, a a teaching how to live at peace and, and live with somebody that you don't get along with. Right? That's what it's teaching you there. And in context of this passage, what Jesus is doing is he's teaching you how to turn an enemy into somebody that is your neighbor by loving them. That's what he's saying right here. Right? Love your enemies. This word, it's interesting to note in verse 44, he pluralizes it. The passage, the verse right before it is singular. Love, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But he says, everyone. Everyone. That word enemy is ekthros, and uh, that's a huge, wide word that basically means anybody that you don't get along with. Personal enemies, political enemies, people with different agendas than what you agree with. Democrats, Republicans, (laughs) anybody were to love those people. This word love, you know, what, what do you mean, Matt? You know, I, I love tacos. I love mountain bikes. Is it things that I like? Am I supposed to like these peop- people? You know, am I supposed to have warm, fuzzy feelings for these people? Well, well this, this word right here, love, means agape. It's agape, okay? If you look at what that means, it means a love of the will. So in other words, that means you're going to bend your will to the good of another person. You're going to take what you're doing, your life, your purpose, and you're going to bend that to the good of somebody you don't like, of somebody that has hurt you, somebody that believes contrary to what you believe, that's what we're, this is what we're supposed to do. How do we do that? Well, we're going to start by praying for them. When's the last time we actually prayed for somebody that we didn't like. I was talking to somebody um, at, the, at the beginning of first service and he said the same thing. He's like, man, I had this person in my life. We hated each other. <laughs> I mean, we've got the cops called on us and all kinds of craziness. And, and he said, it, he finally clicked with him that I was supposed to pray for him. And he did. And he says, in, two, in about two years, everything has kind of worked itself out. They have a, a right relationship with each other and everything has calmed down. And he said, it didn't start until he took the initiative and he began to pray for the person that was his enemy. Crazy, right? There's power here. This is, this is powerful, y'all. This is powerful. One of the true tests of being a Christian is, is how good at this are we doing? So everybody in here, go ahead, get a chart out, get your piece of paper out, get your grade paper, and grade yourself right now in your mind, how good are you at this? 
I, I, I'm, I fail at times. And the Lord is wanting us to do this more and more and more. And if we're going to reach people in our community, the down and outers, the people that are untouchable, the people we don't like, the people that are crazy, if we're going to reach them before Jesus comes back, the way we do it is this right here. You know, it's foreign to us, right? We don't love our enemies, man. We bomb our enemies. You know what I mean? We call it an airstrike. We bomb them, you know, or let's break it down to much more simpler terms. If we don't like somebody, man, we post about them on social media, you know? But Jesus is saying, no, don't do that. So we got to stop. Never mind. I'm not going to get into all that. Y'all know where I was going about all that. So uh, verse 45, let's move on. It says, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. This is almost a qualifier. You know, how are we going to be? You can flip it. How, how to be children of your Father in heaven? Love the person that you don't like. Love your enemy, right? He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and the sins reign on the righteous and the unrighteousness. Why is he teaching this stuff? Because this is who our father is. This is who our heavenly father is. And he's telling us we have to love people in the same manner. We have to. You know, uh, it's, I love this picture. He causes his son, right? This is his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And so I, you know, I happened to think about that and I was like, okay, interesting. Let me pull up some, you know, I got my weather map here. And so, uh, you know, Pyongyang, North Korea, right? Political enemies of us for, you know, I mean, just create lots of tension and issues there. And so literally right now, today, it is 73 degrees and partly cloudy. You know, there's no fireballs from heaven coming and burning them up or anything like that, right? Raqqa, Syria, that's um, headquarters for um, um, ISIS, or at least it was. I mean, they move around and stuff. And so right now it is 98 degrees and perfectly clear and sunny. A little hot, a little hot, 98 degrees, but beautiful day, sun's up. Why, why is he doing this, man? Why, why does Jesus, why is he teaching this? Every, every time the sun comes up and goes down, that's the way Jesus is blessing both the good and the evil people in our world. And at one point, we'll look at this in a second. Listen, you and I, we were enemies of the Father. And he called us into right relationship with him. Verse 46 goes on and says, but if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, right? East Noonan, West Noonan, my neighbor, this, that. What, uh, what are you doing more than others? Aren't even the pagans doing that, right? He's picking two very, very evil group, groups of people here, tax collectors and pagans, right? These are a terrible, terrible group of people. And so I, I love what, what he's saying here. The implications here is that we're supposed to go to somebody that we don't like and look them in the eye and greet them and shake their hand. We're to take them to coffee and take them to lunch and start a relationship with them. So think about that list in your mind, the, 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 the loved one, the family member, the the guy that beats you out of a promotion and talks bad behind your back at work or the person that's your neighbor that worships 
a, 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 you know, something different and is, you know, strange or whatever. He's saying go and create a relationship with those people in that you can love them and show them the love of the Father. Uh, in just a second, um, I'm going to show this video, and, and it's, it's a bit controversial, so I want you to keep an open mind about this. This guy, his name is uh, Daryl Davis, and uh, he has played piano, blues piano, phenomenal piano player. Um, he's played it uh, back in the day with um, people like uh, Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis. He's phenomenal. And so recently, in his older uh, years, he has started fighting racism. He's an African-American man. And so what he does is he actually goes to KKK rallies. He goes to the white supremacies, you know, national rallies, and he becomes friends with these people. Shows up and just loves on people. It's what he does. And what's crazy is that people are then in turn giving him their robes and recanting what they believe only after he has started a relationship with them. It's mind-blowing, man. It feels like he's got Jesus all over this thing. So watch this video for a second, and then we'll finish up the message. I have some of the robes here with me. This is my first time seeing these up close. This belongs belong to an imperial wizard, which means national leader. But uh, I tried it on to see what, see what it felt like, what it looked like. You put the KKK robe I on. I put the clan robe on and the hood. You know, to see if I felt powerful. I want to see if it had that kind of effect. So I went and stood in the mirror and I looked stupid. So I took it off. You don't have to spend much time with Daryl Davis before he's got your full attention. First, there's his music. He's an amazing boogie woogie and blues piano player who shared the stage with the likes of Chuck Berry and Jerry Lee Lewis. And then there's his provocative work on issues of race. Davis is one of the few African-Americans you will ever find attending a KKK rally. More than attending, he is welcome. I got more respect for that black man than I do you. So obviously you're known because you formed all of these friendships with members of the KKK. Mm -hmm. How were you able to do that? Let me say that um, not, not everybody in the Klan is going to become my friend. Mm -hmm. All right, um, there will be people who will go to their grave being hateful, violent, and racist. You know, they're not gonna change. But then there are those who, who have that same sentiment, but they take the opportunity to sit down one-on-one -on -one like you and I are doing. Nice to meet you. My pleasure. I've heard a lot about you for years. When you say the, um, the plight of white America, give me some examples so I would understand or so our viewers would understand. All the races have different representatives. I felt that the white race didn't have proper leadership for civil rights, so this was something that uh, I felt needed to be addressed. National Socialist Movement travels all over the country on behalf of white citizens, on behalf of white rights. You know, white people should be able to stand up for white issues, just as the other races have, without it being called hate. Would you compare yourself to Martin Luther King? In some ways, in some ways. Which way? He was uh, campaigning for his causes, in a peaceful manner, and that's what we're doing. If you spend five minutes, just five minutes, with, with your arch enemy, you will find that you have something in common with him or her. And if you spend 10 minutes, you'll find you have something else in common. And the more you find in common and you build upon what you have in common, the things that you have in contrast, like skin color, 
begin to matter less and less. These conversations are from a new documentary called Accidental Courtesy, which focuses on Daryl's methods in combating racism. As an African-American, watching the film left me with more questions than answers. I personally think that, you know, everything, all of the relationships that you fostered and putting yourself in this sort of danger is admirable. But I will say, when I was watching the documentary, I felt like some of the actions went past the point of just forming a relationship. For example, you know, helping a Klansman fix his hood or providing your bus for a Klan rally because they don't have a bus to use. Do you think there's a point where okay, I'm, I'm kind of crossing the line and maybe helping their cause. No, not at all. Because while I don't support any race, racist agenda or supremacy agenda, whether it's black supremacy or white supremacy or whatnot, I don't support that kind of thing. I do support their right and their freedom uh, of, uh, of speech and their right to express their views. Mm -hmm. That, you know, I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid to even support what you believe in, even though I don't believe it. And in doing so, guess what? They reciprocated. And that's how I ended up having their robes and hoods. Yeah, powerful. Definitely powerful video. And, um, you know, you begin to think about this uh, a little bit deeper. There's, um, you know, and look into his documentary some more. Uh, he actually is catching a ton of flack from, from doing this, from social activists and all these people saying, you cannot go and have a relationship with these evil people, these terrible people. And if you look at the four gospels and you read through the story of Jesus, it's almost like that's, that's kind of what he did, isn't it? Where he would go and he would spend time with the worst of the worst. He would be seen dining with tax collectors and, and, and prostitutes would wash his feet. How dare you allow her to touch you? And he would catch so much flack from all these religious leaders and, and they'd point finger at him and say, he's crazy, why would you do that? But all along, what is he doing, man? He is loving people into relationship. He's healing them and he's showing up to these blind beggars and hanging out with just the, the lowest of the low and he's saving them and he's healing them and he's forgiving them of their sins and he's, he's around those people. And no, we're, we're not okay with, with, you know, we're not winking at this behavior, just what even Daryl said, it's not, we're not supporting that, but we will love people. We will love them and that is how we're going to end up changing people. The way of Jesus is to love everyone, hands down, okay? Um, verse 48, to wrap up here just for a few minutes, verse 48, this is kind of the last passage here. He says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, right? Just a little bit of weekend homework for you. Good luck, you know, good luck at that. Um, but reading this in context, this word perfect is teleos, which means the end goal, Right? It means to be perfect, to be mature, fully developed, right? To the end goal of being a Christian, right, is to be like our Heavenly Father. That is our end goal, to be like God. So, in context of this passage, how do we be like Him? We love the people we don't get along with, we love the people that have hurt us, we love the people that don't look like us. We lay down our pride, we lay down our agenda, and we just simply love. That's the end goal. 
that's how we become perfect as your heavenly father is. In, in Luke, I believe the word is translated merciful. I think another place, the, the, you know, be compassionate, therefore, as your heavenly father is compassionate. You know, so that's what we're, that's what you and I are called to do. So I want you to take this, you know, and I know we've been talking about loving others, but I want to take, I want to internalize it here for just a second. God loved you at your very worst. God loved you when you were at odds with him. And though you continue to live in, in a sinful life and, and it's just over and over and you're just in the sin nature and there's nothing you could do about it, he loved you and he taught about that over and over and over. The lost coin and the 99 sheep and, and you know, the prodigal son, what an amazing picture where, where the son basically spits on him you know, shuns his father, goes and squanders everything and comes crawling back. And the father had every right to say, no, leave. You're a terrible son. No, what did the father do? Man, he came running to him. Love them. You see, when we love our enemy, we are becoming more and more like our heavenly father. When we love our enemy, we become more like our heavenly father. I want to close with Romans 5. So turn with me to Romans 5 really quick. And uh, this will be the last passage here. Romans 5, verse 6. Verse 6 through 11. Romans 5, verse 6 through 11. It says this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. This is unheard of. Why would he, why would he do that? Right? Christ died for the ungodly. Moving on to the next passage slide. It says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. I mean, would you die for somebody like, like that? It's like, probably not. Verse eight, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's what? You and I were an enemy of God. We were at odds with each other. And while we were still enemies with, uh, we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Verse 11 says, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. Listen, at one point in your life, you were enemies with your heavenly father. And how did he win you over? How did he win you over? Did he argue with you? Did he shun you? Did he judge you? How dare you? You're, you got this problem, or you're addicted to this, or you look like this, or you hate this. No, he loved you into relationship with himself. And just as Christ found you, we're called to go out and find others. Just as Christ loved you, we're supposed to go out and love other people. Southcrest, I mean, I want us to capture the heart of God right here. If we're going to see our community changed, and, and, and man, we want to be, let's be different, y'all. I want it to be different here at Southcrest, man. I want us to really, really be about God's business and let's go and love the people in our community. You want to have a real conversation with, with an abortion clinic? I mean, you can't legislate morality. It's, it's impossible. 
You want to have a real conversation with that? Let's go there and let's wash the feet of, of the people there. Let's go and serve them. Then we can have a conversation about what's going on. It's just what Daryl did. I mean, challenging, man, and I'm, I'm asking that the Lord would just put a burden in my heart and in our hearts to love those around us like he did, man, if we want to see people saved, want to see people brought into a relationship with him, that's how we got to do it, man. Let's stop judging and start loving.